Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Man, Baptism Sunday. Wasn't that exciting? Um, I love days like this. It's uh, amazing. I'm, I'm repping today, if you're watching online right here, I'm repping uh, our campus pastor at Richmond, which I'll be headed there right after service. I, I get to see their baptisms too, so I get twice the fun. But our campus pastor, Mark Thomas, at our Richmond campus, actually hosts a podcast called Evangelism on Fire. It's a great podcast, and he teaches believers how to share their faith and how to overcome objections uh, when sharing their faith. So I wanted anybody to support him today. Told him I was going to rep some evangelism on fire. He calls it bringing the boom. If you you know Pastor Mark over at Richmond. But anyway, if you're new with us here today, we're in a series called Stranger Things in the Bible. And if you will, turn in your copy of God's Word to Numbers chapter 22. Uh, so um, I've shared this before with some of you, but my wife helps me out with certain things. Um, I didn't grow up a lot of great etiquette and manners. My parents tried. I grew up in a really rural area, 300 people. We're in the whole town. It's an unincorporated town. Like, you know, that's really serious. It's unincorporated. And uh, it's called Turkey, North Carolina, not the country Turkey. And so when I met my wife, she's a very cultured individual. And when we would go out to eat, the thing that drives her crazy is chewing with your mouth open. Is anybody, women in here, let's say that? I just, okay, great. Cool. I'm sorry if your husband's in here. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. But anyway, she would give me a code word. So she'd have to like call me out. So if we're with people and I'm doing this thing where I'm chewing with my mouth open, she would come with this word called sea bass. She goes, sea bass, sea bass. And I didn't even know I was even doing it. It's just like, to me, I'm just chewing. I'm like, oh. And so she has this code word. It's kind of an uncommon method of doing that. But she helps me where I don't like a fool, where I don't look uncultured in front of people uh, and things like that. And I want to talk to you today how God has some uncommon methods of getting our attention as well. And in Numbers 22, it's a very familiar passage where you may have not even um, read the Bible, probably heard about this, where there was a talking donkey. Well, you have to understand the backdrop of what was happening with the situation. There was Israel in the book of Numbers who was just got out of the, the grasp of uh, Egypt. They've been freed. They're out. Now they're becoming strong and powerful. Because the Lord said, if, who you bless, I'll bless. Who you curse, I'll curse. He said, my blessing is upon you as Israel. Well, Midian and Moab wanted to destroy Israel. And they could not defeat their military forces. So one of their leaders said this. They said, number one, let's come together as Midian and Moab. And number two, let's go for the root of their power. Their power is spiritual and it's tied to that one true living God. Now to you and I, it seems like you know, most people quote unquote believe in God. But in that day and time, either you were polytheistic or you were an Israelite who was monotheistic. They were the only ones who believed in one true living God. Every other nation believed in multiple gods. The rain god, you know, the sun god, the flower god, you know, the, the football gods we call them, all those things. And so what they wanted to do was attack them at the root of their power, which was their relationship and covenant with the one true living God. So what this guy named Balak did was he found a dude named Balaam. And now Balaam was somebody who was a diviner. So he kind of like played both sides of the fence, polytheism, monotheism, kind of dabbled in sorcery and things like that. We don't know how he became kind of like, you know, acclimated with God or kind of even knew the ways of the Jews. We know very little about him. But Balak knew that he knew the power that Israel had. So here's what Balak did. He said, I'm going to give you a diviner's fee. I will pay you this much money if you go curse Israel, pronounce a curse upon them, take away their power. 
So Balak, uh, you know, doesn't really want to do it. He's not sure. He agrees to it. He goes to bed that night, and literally, like, the angel shows up and says, don't do this. Bad idea. So he comes back to Balak. He says, look, man, I had an angel show up last night. This is not a good idea. I'm not doing this. And Balak says, okay, we're going to make you so rich and so famous if you do this. There's no way that you will ever get this in your lifetime unless you curse Israel. And finally, Balaam says, you got a deal. I think, I think I can do it for that much, which was riches, fames, and fortune. Now, I want you to look at what happens in Numbers 22 once he agrees to this. And they're on their way. He's going to curse Israel right now. He says, this time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff because Balaam's like, go, what's going on? Let's go curse Israel. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? Does anybody else think of Shrek and Donkey whenever, like, <laughs> I just hear Eddie Murphy's voice when I, when I do that. I can't do his voice, but I, I don't, that's where I go when I see this. Maybe you don't. He says, you have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I'm the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. And this is the crazy thing. Balaam just has this conversation like they've done it all the time. <laughs> it's the craziest thing is not the donkey talking. I think it's the fact that Balaam's having a conversation with the donkey. Now, some of you are like, well, I have conversations with my animal all the time. What's the deal, right? <laughs> Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord, very important, standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell down, face down on the ground before him. And why did you beat your donkey those three times, the angel of the Lord demanded? Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Now realize what's happening here. Most scholars believe in the Old Testament when it says the angel of the Lord, that's a reference to Jesus in their terms. Like that was a theophany where God came down to do something very uh, miraculous and spectacular. And in this moment, the angel of the Lord has to stop Balaam and make the, have the donkey speak to try to get his attention. Now today, what I want to do is I want to draw a parallel between you and Balaam. I know you're probably not headed here on a donkey to go curse a nation. Um, I don't know. Maybe that is your after church plans. But most of us aren't doing that. But we do have something very, uh, something in common with, with Balaam. And, and here it is. We're probably on our way to make a decision that's going to hurt us in the future somehow. And what God wants to do with you is the same thing he did with Balaam. What you see with Balaam, you see, number one, his promise and covenant with Israel, that he's faithful to Israel. But number two, you see God pursuing and God intervening in somebody's life who didn't want God to intervene, who did their best to shove God out of the way. And God never stops pursuing you. But here's what he's going to do when you're on the way to make some decisions like Balaam. You can write this down in your notes. God will use some uncommon methods to get our attention. That's what you can learn from this passage here. God will use uncommon methods to get our attention. And that's what God has done all throughout Scripture. When you look back at Scripture, not only do you see a, a talking donkey, but you see someone like Moses. Remember Moses in the burning bush? Like Moses is, has run away from God. He's tried to escape from killing someone. He's in the desert of Midian, as far from the Israelites as he can get to. And then God shows up to Moses 
in a burning bush, a bush that just does not burn up. And Moses is like, hey, something's wrong here. This, this bush is not being consumed. And the Lord shows up and intervenes in Moses' life. You also see in, in other instances in the Bible, you see with Joshua. Joshua was Moses' successor, right? Joshua was on his way to go fight a battle, and the angel of the Lord showed up. And here's what Joshua said to him. He wasn't like uh, a Balaam here. He's like, whose side are you on, man? Like, 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 you need to come fight on my side. And the angel of the Lord's like, hey, I don't know. I'm not on anybody's side. You're going to listen to me. I'm the one in charge here. And Joshua falls down to his knees, has his encounter with the Lord. And the other instance of a donkey in the Bible was Saul. On his way to murder Christians in the first century, Christianity was on an uprise. It had just been birthed. It was all the disciples that were seeing miracles and the power of God move upon the Roman Empire. And he was determined, Saul was determined to squish out Christianity, just kill it. And he's on his way with papers to murder more Christians on his donkey. And Jesus shows up in his path and changes the trajectory of his life. And each one of these, what you'll see is God uses uncommon methods to get our attention. And in your life, if you've been following Jesus, you can probably say, yeah, I know. I've had some times where God used some uncommon methods to wake me up about something. God has intervened in my life in some way to help me not go down that path. Now, my fear is this, is that many of us are going to continue down that path. Because here's why, and my fear is this. If we aren't aware of God's methods to getting our attention, we will end up on a path that God never intended. If you aren't aware of that, if you aren't taking the cues, like my wife was saying, sea bass, sea bass, like, like if you aren't aware of that, you'll continue down that path, and God's like, Bueller, 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 trying to get your attention the whole time. And what's the most interesting part about this passage is not the fact that the donkey talked. It's the fact that the donkey was more sensitive to God than even Balaam was. And many times in our life, we're the least sensitive person about the path that we're on. See, for some of you, it could be a path that could be very extreme. Maybe you are headed on a path where you are getting ready to get involved in an extramarital affair. And you start to text somebody, become emotionally attached to somebody, and you know it's wrong. I'm here today as an uncommon method to get your attention. Don't do this to your family. For others of you, it could not be something bad, but something good. You've been given an opportunity with more money. And all you can see is the money, but you've not really sought the Lord on, should I take this job or not? Is this a God thing? Because here's what I've realized in my life. The Satan is not going to get me if we're going out and doing something stupid with sin. Like, I, I'm just, you know, I'm past that. But what Satan will do is throw good opportunities in my path to get me off God's will. And so many of us in here have varying extremes of paths that we're going down, decisions that need to be made, things that we're going to do. And the beautiful thing about God is this. He wants to get your attention to help you. See, the thing is this. People will say sometimes, I just don't feel God's presence. I don't think God is speaking. God is always speaking to us. But we're not always listening. We're a lot like the donkey, right? I mean, she was a lot like Balaam and less like the donkey. The donkey was sensitive. Balaam was not. And for me, one of the main reasons I'm here in Virginia is this happened to me one time. Like, I was in this pastor's gathering, about 15 to 20 pastors in a, in a pastor's home in Florida, 
And we had um, you know, a great leader named Tony Miller who passed away several years ago come in, and he, he was just sharing ministry stuff with us. And at the end, he had his friend play some uh, you know, stuff on the keyboard, play some music. We're just worshiping, and we're just kind of praying at the end of the service, and it was just a small little gathering of pastors, and nothing big, nothing flamboyant. And then all of a sudden, Bishop Tony says this. He says, he says, he says, just hold, he says I just feel like the Lord's saying something to somebody here. I said, I, we can't leave. He says, just, just hold one second. And that can get kind of strange, right? You're like, wait a minute. And he starts speaking, and he says, and there was two Kevins in the room. And he says, start speaking, he starts speaking. He says, no, no, no. He says, I'm, I'm sorry. Not. He said, you, Kevin, this Kevin, he pointed at me. And my wife and I have been speaking about transitioning, that we knew we were transitioning out of that role. We didn't know. I did not want to leave, so I literally needed God to, like, make it clear to me, God, I'm like, I'm like Balaam, Right? And he begins to speak about stuff that only I knew. I'd never talked to him about it. Nobody in the room knew about it. And I left, and I was like, wow, only the Lord knew that. How did this dude read my mail, right? That was the Holy Spirit getting my attention, saying, hey, Kev, 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 I've got a path for you. I didn't know it was Virginia. I didn't know it was Thrive Church. But God will use uncommon methods to get our attention. And my fear is, if you're not aware of that, then one day you're going to wake up and be like, how did I end up here? And God's like, man, I was trying to get your attention the whole time. We do this with relationships. God's like, I never sanctioned that relationship. Everybody around you saw the red flags. We tried to warn you, but you refused to listen. And now you've gone somewhere you didn't intend. That happens all the time. Because as I say this before, every bad decision you've ever made, there's one person who's been involved in all of them, and that's you. You're the common denominator. I'm the common denominator of every bad decision I have ever made. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I did when I was in Florida, and this pastor spoke to me and shared this, was you've got to pay attention to the interruption. Pay attention to interruptions. When God interrupts things, when something happens, I talked to a pastor yesterday, and they had just moved and got ready for retirement, and he still thought he had some senior pastoring left in him, but he, just, he went for retirement, and I think he's following God, and he thinks he's following God. I feel good about it, but his, his wife just lost her job. And it's in moments like that, and, and they don't know what they're going to do, that there's interruptions that happen. You say, okay, well, there's, there's an inter interruption. You put your spiritual ears up and say, God, is there something you want to say to me? And I want to show you how to do that today because it's so incredibly important to be able to still yourself before the Lord. And the greatest example I can give is actually from a prophet named Elijah. Elijah was, man, winning battles. He was up against King Ahab um, and Jezebel, who were wicked, wicked rulers in Israel. And God sent Elijah to continually, over and over again, be that voice to them to say, stop it. And they just were dull and weren't listening. And one thing you'll see about Elijah is, Elijah battled with depression. We think that, uh, hey man, if you're depressed, you usually get, get the joy of the Lord in your heart, right? But Elijah faced a lot of depression and burnout because he, he ministered so intently and ministered so much. One time, he outran a chariot. Outran a chariot. God gave him power. It's like, you, imagine you, you outrunning a car on your, foot, on your feet. That's like Terminator type stuff, y'all. <laughs> And we think, praise the Lord, he gave him power. And then what's the next thing to happen? Elijah crashed physically. Adrenaline ran out because God, adrenaline kicked in. And he crashed and he told God, I want to die. 
I don't want to live any longer. He wanted to commit suicide. You know what the Lord told Elijah? He said, you're tired, dude. Take a nap. I'm going to bring you some food from angel, angel food, and you're going to rest. But Elijah's just faced it over and over. There's another time he faces it. And this time, just like the other time, something incredible happens with him and the Lord in their relationship. And don't you look, if you have your Bibles with you, this is in 1 Kings 19.9. It says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it, being Elijah. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God, the Lord God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I even only am left, and, see, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, here's what he's doing. He's got a pity party going on. He's just like, oh, everything's falling apart. They've all killed everybody. He's over-exaggerating. He's tired, right? You get tired, you get that way. And he's blowing it all out of proportion. Uh, let me tell you something. The only people that attend pity parties are the devil and people who want to see you fail. So when you have a pity party, that's what you're attracting to you. The Lord does not attend pity parties. If he does, he crashes them. And he turns it into a celebration and he gives you perspective. That's what he does here. And look at this. Verse 11, he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, the wind and earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Do you see that there's stuff happening around him? I want you to watch this now. It's not always the spectacular stuff. You've got to really pay attention and read between the lines. Look at the details. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then it says this, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. One of the things you have to realize is, is if you never pause, you'll never experience the whisper. In other translations, it says a wind. That word whisper means the, the volume of silence. It was something still in his heart. And he paused enough to pay attention to the interruption. And the Lord spoke to him. The Lord re changed the direction that he wanted to go, changed the pity party that he was having because he paid attention to the interruption. Some of you are facing interruptions in life right now. There's some things that are just pff, coming to crossroads for you. I want to encourage you, pay attention to the interruption. So how do we find out if God's speaking and how does God speak to us in these situations? There's three ways God does it. First of all, it's the canon of Scripture. Not like a, a canon, but canon means a collection. If you say, well, God's just not speaking to me, you open the Bible. There's 66 books that God has spoken. And you hear this all the time at Thrive, but when you read the Bible, don't just get through the Bible, get the Bible through you. 
Every time I read the Bible, I pause, and, and here's where I've grown in the Lord. When I first got saved, I needed a bunch of knowledge. I did need to know scriptures and memorize. I memorized on a three-by-five index card every day. I had 10 scriptures in my back pocket that I would pull out and I'd memorize. It was knowledge. It was knowledge. Then it came wisdom, came next. So I began to apply these scriptures to my life. But now I'm in a place of understanding, where I'm gaining understanding of God the way it moves. And here's what I have determined when I read the Bible. If it's one passage, that passage has got to speak to me personally. Personally. Lord, what are you saying to me through this? Like right now I'm studying kings. I'm in a, not this passage, but a different one. And as I look at the kings, I'm saying, God, how could that be me in my life? But you got to understand the canon of Scripture speaks first. If you're saying, should I, you know, live with this person before marriage and do all this and have sex before marriage, read the Bible. What, 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 is, what does God say about it? It's not that he's mad. God always wants your best. Do you know the Ten Commandments aren't prohibiting you from having fun? It's there to liberate you, to experience the most of God. The world teaches you God wants to prohibit, or God actually wants you to, to liberate you. If you're thinking, well, should I be mean to this person and get revenge? What does Scripture say about it? it? Almost anything you deal with, the Lord can use Scripture to speak to you. My fear is so many of us don't open the Scriptures See, and let me say, if you're new to your faith, or maybe you've been in church a long time, but the Bible doesn't make sense, can I just encourage you, when I first got saved, I didn't understand jack squat about the Bible. Nothing. But here's what I did. Anything that made a little bit of sense, I highlighted it and I underlined it. And I said, Lord, speak to me through that. And I kept highlighting and underlining to eventually that whole Bible looked like a coloring book from color pencils and notes and what the Lord was speaking, because that was years of going through and through and through over and over again. But the canon of Scripture is the main way that God speaks to us. The second way God speaks is the community, the community of believers. So not only will God speak through Scripture, if you're wondering, there's an interruption in your life, open the Bible, it's amazing what God is, you'll start seeing in there, but the community of believers. And this is where we have to understand that that role is vitally important. That believers can come to you and say, hey, look, 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 I just want to help you. Especially those who are older than you in their faith and they've been there longer. When they come to you and they share something that seems ridiculous to you and it seems what you would call stupid, you got to pause and say, hey, was that God speaking to me about that? Like, like I, I literally listen to people all the time now when they're just talking about stuff. I'm thinking, wow, Lord, were you trying to say something to me? And I have people in my life that will come to me and say, hey, look, I think you need to watch out for this. You need to be careful of this, the community of believers. But the problem with us is we get offended, and we just push back on people just like Balaam and keep going our own path in the own way. And I want to encourage you guys today that there's people around you. See, in your life, there should be people above you that can speak into your life, people around you that can also speak into your life, that know you, and people under you. Because sometimes it's the people that you're mentoring, the people that you're leading, that sometimes it means the most from them. If one of our staff members comes to me and says, hey man, I just want to talk to you. I, I got to share this with you. I, whatever it is, I take a lot of notice just like I would somebody who's above me. Because God speaks to us in that way. Matter of fact, I've told you before that when I, again, the whole Virginia thing was the biggest interruption in our life. My mama told me before she died of cancer, she's on the phone. She said, because I really didn't want to come, I'll be honest with you. 20 people, didn't seem, you know, very fun. 
And my mama on the phone, I was outside. I'll never forget where I was at. She said, son, you need to pay attention. I think God's going to do something. I'm thinking, oh, mama, you're so sweet. You're dying of cancer, and you're trying to be really good and sweet to me. That's what I was thinking, to be honest with you. But as I left that conversation, I knew the Lord was speaking to me. And finally, here's what you've got to do. Pay attention to the uncommon common. What does that mean? Common conversations. Something just pops up, and you're like, and they don't even know they're like saying anything that would, would resonate with you. Just common things are uncommon. For me, before I gave my life to Christ, I would walk by this dorm room every day. Slay Hall, East Carolina University, this dorm room, I now know they were believers. I saw these people that were from different like ethnicities and groups all like studying this book together in a room. And I thought, wow, that's a really hodgepodge group of people. I wonder what, what they're all about. Now I know it's, the, you know it's Christianity. That's what Christianity does. It brings diversity together. But on that door, every time I walked by, one friend wrote to another, open up your eyes before it's too late. And every time I would come in high and drunk from partying, I would walk by that thing. I'm like, oh, I might need to open my eyes before it's too late. I just had a friend die. I told you before about being in a bathroom at East Carolina University and some guy approaching me after I had a big night of party and I was coughing up phlegm from smoking weed. And he says, hey man, Jesus wants to save you. He loves you. Come as you are. It's the uncommon common. There's a time I had before I moved to Florida. The pastor spoke into my life. Just it was a, what some people call it a prophetic word. And it was, you know, it can be strange. You have to be careful of those things. But it was the Lord. I remember right before we moved to Virginia, we were really unsure. Like, we, we didn't know what. People say, well, did the Lord speak to you? Well, he did through that guy, but I still, like, needed some more evidence, right? I was like, oh, come on. Okay, that's good, God. Can you give something else to? That's the type of guy I am. I'll never forget my wife and I are, like, in Florida. And in Florida, where we were at, it wasn't touristy. Never saw a lot of other license plates. And we were talking about this Virginia thing. We're like, oh, yeah, I think, nah. And we saw a Virginia license plate, and we're like, we're going to Virginia. We're going to Virginia. She's like, yeah, we're going to Virginia. We're going to Virginia. <laughs> now, for us, it was the uncommon common. And there's some things the Lord has been trying to speak to you. You're watching a movie, and all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah. So, the Lord is always trying to speak, but pay attention when you're reading Scripture. Let the Scripture read you. Have a community of believers, those above you, spiritual leaders you can trust, those around you, spiritual friends that you can lean on, and even those who are under you, the people you're mentoring, your children, whoever, that you're always paying attention to. And then keep your eyes peeled because God will use a common bush in an uncommon way. God will use a common donkey in an uncommon way. And God will use common things in an uncommon way in your life as well to speak to you. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that we would attune our ears to you. That you would help us, God, to be open to what you're speaking to us. Some of us have decisions to make, and there's some anxiety with some decisions. I pray for those right now that are in here or watching online, that God, you're going to show up in a common and uncommon way in that common, Lord. You're going to have a community of believers or someone speak. God, Scripture's going to start speaking to people in a very tangible way about some things they need to do. I pray for that, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. 
open our spiritual hearts up to you, to be sensitive to what you're saying to your spirit, not to our emotions or our flesh. I pray for that this morning, God. Help me as a pastor to be that way, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that you are pursuing us. And if you're in here today as we're praying, maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you walked away from your faith, or you don't even walk with the Lord right now. You don't know the Lord. You've never given your life to the Lord. God is pursuing you. This very message is for you today. He is speaking to you. Some of you saw water baptism happen and your heart lit up, and you said, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want that to be my story. I'm tired of living this way. If that's you this morning, whether you walked away from your faith or for the first time ever, you want to surrender to Christ. I want you to pray this prayer. Make this confession of faith after me. Here's what you say. You say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit cannot save myself with good works. But I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe He died on the cross. I believe He rose again on the third day. Today, I turn from my old life. I repent. And I receive brand new life. I receive forgiveness of my sins. I receive your Holy Spirit. God, help me to be sensitive to you. In Jesus' good name, I pray. Amen. Amen.